Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we have the privilege to continue to journey through Christopher West's work, The Love That Satisfies, which, as many of you know at this point, is a series of reflections where he engages Benedict XVI's work, uh, God is Love. And in the first half of that work, he took up, of course, eros and agape. Eros, that human erotic physical love, and agape, that divine sacrificial cross-like love. So this is what we are about. Uh, We are in chapter 7, The Purpose of Eros, and uh, it is that uh, rotating week. So I have Chris Seibert and Derek Allen with me. Guys, great to have you with me another evening. Thanks for having me back, Joe. Good to be here. Good to be with both you gentlemen. Another fine Thursday evening. (laughs) So guys, before we jump into uh, chapter seven, the purpose of Eros, I did want to take a brief time out just to continue to welcome our international audience. For those of you who are tuning in by way of podcasts from England, Italy, Portugal, Spain, France, uh, Croatia, Serbia, uh, we welcome you. Uh, certainly down in South America, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Peru, Colombia, as well as Mexico and up north Canada. It really is an honor that you are taking time out of your schedule to journey with us in the beauty of the Catholic faith in its many splendored beauty. Certainly Thursdays is about theology of the body. And I really do appreciate the questions that you've been sending to me, most of which concern theology of the body. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me. Um, I enjoy your questions, the dialogue that comes out from them as much as one can have a dialogue with email. So keep them coming. I really do appreciate it. So uh, with that, guys, as I noted, we are in chapter seven. Now this subsection that we are in, Christopher West does something a little different. He uses the Truman Show with that lead character of Jim Carrey as a kind of analog to really illustrate what uh, Benedict XVI has to say in God is Love, and he really has a lot of fun with it, and so certainly some of our reflections will be tied to the Truman Show uh, this evening as we reflect with Christopher West. So we begin with um, passage 44. Eros is somehow rooted in man's very nature. Adam is a seeker who abandons his mother and father in order to find woman. So, Joe, like you'd said earlier, Christopher West takes the analogy that he uses with the Truman Show, and for those of you who maybe it's been a while and need a quick crash course in what that film was about, so Jim Carrey plays the lead role as Truman, who is a, a baby who has basically been put on a TV show, a reality TV show set from day one, but unbeknownst to him, he is not on reality TV from Truman's point of view, he is just living his life, normal day-to-day things. So it's a fake town, fake weather, fake everything. <laughs> um, all of his, all of the people that he interacts with, scripted, paid actors, but all of that is completely false. Truman has no idea that that is the case. Imagine if you would, your hometown filled with 5,000 TV cameras hidden around, just filming your day-to-day life. And of course, as our protagonist, Truman goes about this 
search for truth that he has um, against sort of the antagonist, the TV sort of power-hungry producer, director. His name is Kristoff. And at one point, Kristoff is asked why Truman hasn't figured it out, why he doesn't realize he's living in a TV set. And Kristoff responds, We accept the reality of the world with which we are presented. It's as simple as that. Of course, the reality that Truman is living is that of a TV show, and um, one of the early climax moments in the beginning of the film is as he's driving to work, a giant TV light just falls from the <laughs> sky, and the Skilford producers that they are sort of wrap it away with saying a uh, plane was losing parts as it flew over the town of Seahaven. You know, guys, in my initial reading of this subsection, the one word that just jumped out was the word reality. And it really begs the question, well, what is reality? Because certainly this is something that um, Christopher West really has a dialogue with as it relates to the Truman Show. So we have to ask it, you know, what is reality? What is real? What is truth? I think there's a lot of confusion with this because in our own worlds, we are so bound by the latest fad. Who's in? What's the latest brand that is going to have people talking about us? We're very preoccupied with the here and now. You know, I grew up in the 80s and, and the 90s and now I'm going back to my earlier days of childhood, but I had some uh, parachute pants, you know. <laughs> Our family was into Michael Jackson. And the reality for the Holcraft family and millions of other families was Michael Jackson, right? And him, like so many others, have come and gone. Yet, if you were to ask me what is real, what is reality, in 1983, 84, 85, certainly the first thing I would have told you was the stuff of Beat It, Thriller, and all the rest, right? Because that was my world. And oh, did Joe Holcraft do a mean, <laughs> uh, what was it, uh, Billy Jean? <laughs> we can't have that conversation on air. <laughs> oh, it was authentic, ask. let's just put it that way. Yeah. But let me tell you, it, it, the, the thing that really stood out to me when I was reflecting on this was how we think of what is secular, because the word itself literally means belonging to an age, right? Michael Jackson, the parachute pants, and Billie Jean, it belonged to a particular age, okay? It, for all intents and purposes, has come and gone. And I go there because truth always remains. Truth is not subject to time. Truth, as we've talked about before, guys, is absolute. Truth is not arbitrary. No, it's something to be discovered. And I think that really is the salient point for us. We don't discover something from the outside in. We discover truth from the inside out. A much discussed point on this radio program, guys, is how we must always enter first into the in-God moment because of how it forms and informs the for-other moment, how the coming to know Him forms and informs the making Him known. Essentially, this is what lies at the heart of how we as subjects are made to better see what is objective, and how as subjects who have been given this gift of eros are to use it so as to not only be seekers of truth, but subjects who discover the beauty of truth, that truth that lies in the agape sacrifice. In watching this movie, I remember feeling like I was rooting for Truman. And I love mm. the true man analogy that he's seeking truth. And as you cheer, you know, you're cheering him on, going, come on, Truman, you can break through. You can yes. make it through to the truth. 
we realize that his reality is crystallized in the other. His mm -hmm. seeking of truth becomes crystallized and clear in the other, the, the uh, character in Sylvia's gaze and just one line saying, come and find me. And we can mm -hmm. get into this further. But it was in that seeking of the other, which is what you know we talk about in Theology of the Body, our seeking of the other is our seeking out of God and seeking mm -hmm. out reality, seeking out the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting because Sylvia kind of has this role as like a love interest for Truman, you know, like a lost love from his past, also scripted for the show. And I think it's interesting that you sort of see that passionate Eros-like spark between Truman and Sylvia, which is what carries him through in his search for the truth. And I think that's also what brings us into the beginning of our faith journey. Mm -hmm. We all have that moment, you know, that first spark of Eros in our relationship with God. And eventually, we, we come to realize that there's something more, that, that God is more than who I am or what my job is or where I go to school or what I do. And so we begin to seek him from that spark. And that, and that depth of the seeking is what gives us resiliency because there's going to be reasons for us to say, ah, you know, maybe I just need to drop back and not seek anymore. You know, it's more mm -hmm. comfortable mm -hmm. if I stay in my current reality. But no, it's that, no, there's something greater here. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am supposed to be a part of something much grander than what I see. So I'm going to be resilient and continue. Just like Truman, he continues at it because of the depth of the uh, the connection. And I mean, it's it's really analogous of, of married life as well. You know, we've talked previously about the desire to continually learning more about your spouse, continually to try to know them. Um, and I think that that's also important for married couple, but in the larger married couple between Christ and the church, mm -hmm. the church has to continuously seek Christ. And I think we see that especially in the doctors of the church. Seems like for every age of history, every age of time, there's at least a church doctor there who's been so important in the teachings of the church for that era. Mm. You know, you guys, as we talk about this seeking and finding, and Chris, I took note of your connection between resiliency coming out of the depth of the connection. Certainly this is what's going on between Truman and Sylvia. It is one of the tactics of the creator of this show, Truman, to divert him from seeking this truth, right? So what does he do? You know, he's, he squashes his adventurous spirit by, well, on one occasion, his wife inviting him to the bedroom, and on another, you know, his good buddy, and I remember his name, Marlon, I think, shows up with a six-pack of beer. So Christoph uses this tactic of diversion, and Christopher West reflects upon this and how this is the operation of, of the adversary in Satan. And on this note, and I believe this just to be a salient point, he goes to quote Peter Kraft, and he says this, Satan's essential task is not just to block the finding, but to block the seeking. Eventually, seekers find. So it is a vastly more efficient expenditure of energy to attack the seeking. And reflecting upon this, guys, a little bit, I was made to go to First uh, Peter 5, 8, huh? where Peter says, stay sober and alert because Satan will prowl you like a roaring lion. What's going on there? Satan has deadly intentions with these predatorial tactics. 
and certainly he's comparable to a ravenous lion who's, who's on a hunt for food. We have to take Satan and the ways in which he wants to divert us from the task of seeking truth and counter that with our own depth of connection with Jesus Christ. This asking, this seeking, this knocking, is this not Matthew 7, verse 7 and following, where it gets into how we need to anchor ourselves in prayer, and we do so by asking, seeking, and knocking. Desire must match desire, huh, guys? We must yearn to receive God's love the same way He longs to give His love. We must abide permanently at the threshold of God's giving. This is what is going to anchor us and make us more resilient, withstanding the currents of secularism that is constantly looking to knock us over. And you use the word withstand, Joe, and I wanted to um, dovetail off of something Derek said. This is so resonant for our marriages. Mm. Um, When I look at ways that I'm challenged, ways that I'm challenged in my own marriage, a lot of it has to do with I have troubles when I don't seek, Mm -hmm. when I turn away from the seeking, you know, and that's where, you know, our relationships are in trouble if we don't, are not resilient. Um, there's this, this other quote here that really resonated for me. Truman's yearning for truth is indeed more than just a vague ambition. And the thing that keeps him searching is the memory of a woman who loved him. Mm. Keeps him searching. He has this memory, this implanted memory we have this same thing with our marriage. We have this, you know, this need to keep seeking. There's going to be internal struggles, I think, within our relationships, you know, man to woman, woman to man, but there's also the external factors too. Mm-hmm. We have to be very resilient to cut through those externals that could come between us as well as the internals. Well, and, and you mentioned First Peter 5, 8, and I think it's important to remember that when we, when we stop seeking in our relationships or seeking God in general, that sometimes, yeah, maybe it's our own, um, you know, our own complacency, but sometimes we really do face an opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter doesn't write about the devil as just an angry lion who happens to be walking around, but no, it's, it's a lion with a purpose, seeking mm-hmm. souls to devour. Mm-hmm. Um, and those souls are each and every one of us, and woe to any of us who think that Oh well, the devil is just a fairy tale, or that the devil is is just you know what we say to kids to keep them in line. No, the devil is real, and and the devil's goal for each and every one of us is to spend an eternity in hell, mm-hmm. um, void of truth, void of love. And that quote from Peter Kraft, it's you know it's really good for him to try to just keep us from seeking in the first place. Mm-hmm. If we don't know love, if we don't know truth, then how can we pursue it? So it's important, especially for those of those of us who are growing into the faith, becoming stronger into the faith, to really push hard, mm-hmm. um, to really oppose the opposition to the best of our ability. You know, eros, isn't that one of the great um, purposes for it? It's to keep us out of hell. And in that way, I mean, when we look at the Truman Show, Sylvia makes such a profound impact on Truman. She's the catalyst for him to seek truth. Essentially, he's in a hell. He's mm-hmm. in a hell of somebody else's making, who's controlling his life, controlling his thoughts, controlling his moves. And it's this one scene of Sylvia coming in, breaking through the commotion of his lies, locking eyes with Truman and saying, come and find me. Mm-hmm. 
that lead him to try to piece together this woman that he can't get out of his mind. So much so that he takes he's taking strips of pictures from other uh, sources and he's piecing them together to put together the face of Sylvia. Mm-hmm. And what did that do? That seeking broke through the traps to reality, to truth. Yeah, yeah, amen. The image I, I had, guys, as I'm listening to you guys talk, you know, when you lock eyes with your beloved and we're all married, you know, so often the movies capture it with the fireworks and whatnot. Earlier I was talking about desire ma- matching desire. I mean, there's an explosion there. And yet there's something greater. There's something deeper. And that is the truth and the deeper and greater truth that we are created in the image and likeness of God. So I think one of the things that comes through not only Benedict's quote, but certainly what Christopher West talks about and how he utilizes the Truman Show, is for us to seek the truth that is the fullness of the beauty of our spouses, huh? Our spouses, beautiful as they are, there's more beauty to be had the deeper we go, because the first principle of being in God is to love like God. Well, God is madly in love more than we could ever be with his own children, even our spouses. So by loving God, we learn the language of spousal love more fluently. Gosh, I, I have this story ringing in my ear, and I've shared it on a number of occasions where the couple have been married for 75 years, and the MC asked the question, how did you do it? And she's 93 years old, and she says, we're still getting to know each other. That's it. That's it. Yeah, seeking, seeking. And that other line, you know, she surprises me every day. 75 years? How is that even possible? Seeking, desire matching desire, to actually want to, to receive on the same level that God wants to give. This is what it's about. We have to avoid that spirit of complacency, guys, where our soul goes dormant. We have to be active, asking, seeking, and knocking. And that's really speaking to to the devil's favorite tool, the devil's favorite weapon, and, and that is to make us afraid, mm-hmm. um, which is Christians, we, we really, we don't have excuses to be afraid. Time and time again, Scripture will, you know, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, if God is with us, who can be against us? And if we're seeking that truth and receiving the truth of God, which is that his unyielding, undying love for us, then what can honestly, what can we be afraid of? Should we be afraid of death? Well, no, because if, if we're truly in love with God, then in our death we are united with our beloved. And, and so as Christians, we really, we need to embrace the victory of Christ on the, cro- on the cross and, and have our fears dismissed. Because that, that really, it robs the devil, it robs Satan of his favorite tool, of his favorite weapon when we live in Christ's love, a love without fear. No longer a fear of missing out on things. No longer a fear on our bodily needs or things like that. Going back to Matthews 5 and 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be given to you. Mm. There is no room in that statement for fear. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And why do we cheer for the couple? When I think about great movies that I've seen that deal with romance, and you know, there's a stereotypical, oh, those are chick flicks, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about really good, a, a love story. We cheer for that because deep down inside of us, we're, we're cheering for our own relationship with God if we're reading Theology of the Body correctly. Yes, yes. Because in the two coming together and 
if they're, you know, in, in holiness, coming together as one, that's what we're seeking in our relationship with God. So, of course, we're going to be sitting there and saying, oh, no, dude, don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always, you know, we're, we're giving them the, the peanut gallery yeah, in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. make the move, make the move. Because we want that, that union that brings us to, you know, a, a perfect analogy of who God is. Yeah, I mean, think about what we have been talking about over the last nine, ten months. Theology of the body is the stuff of truth. Courtship is the stuff of truth. When we cheer on these Hollywood scripted relationships, we cheer them on because they're an echo of a much deeper truth. A truth that brings us back to the great drama of salvation history itself. Just not good and evil, that, yes, but also the relationship between God and man. Bride and bridegroom male and female, and how that relationship signifies the relationship between Christ and His church. You know, it's, it's funny. I have a three-year-old niece and nephew, and they're, they're be starting to be exposed to, like, the old-school Disney cartoons. You know, your Cinderella's, your Little Mermaid's, your Sleeping Beauty, all of those. And it didn't strike me as a kid, but if you look at every old Disney movie, there is clearly a separation between good and evil and the movie in one way or another is depicting that conflict Mm -hmm. and i think that that really speaks to us because whether we're aware of it or not like paul says in ephesians 6 i mean we really are at war with evil If, if we're to seek truth if we're to live good lives then then we are to to do battle for that truth um in in to go to the truman show um early in his childhood he sort of scared away from the ocean when his father dies at sea. Granted, this is a staged ocean, and that actor never dies, but to Truman, that was real. Mm-hmm. And in, in his adult life, in his reality, he has a deep fear, and, and it's ultimately conquering that fear at the end of the movie that brings him to truth. And you said fear is orchestrated. You know, we do know. We, we, you mentioned earlier, Derek, be not afraid. That's our, that's our mantra. That's our, our rallying cry. Because who, who authors fear? It is, it is the evil one. It's, it's, it's Satan who makes us fear the lake or the, the ocean when we don't even know why exactly. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's part of what we're trying to break through, mm-hmm. break through the orchestration. You know? Yeah, and that's what Truman does in the end. He conquers his fears and he breaks through that uh, orchestration. I love this last exchange, guys. After Truman overcomes Kristoff's uh, orchestration, if you will, to try to divert him, where he symbolically dies and rise again, that is Truman, he crashes into the wall of the studio and stares the truth in the face. And Christopher West says this, In this poignant scene, Truman, overwhelmed with emotion, reaches out cautiously and curiously to touch the wall, realizing that everything behind him has been a lie, realizing that his whole life has been a deception. He pounds the wall and collapses in tears. A few moments later, he discovers a door marked exit and pushes it open. Then, and I love this discourse, guys, Truman hears Kristoff's booming voice over the loudspeaker. Truman asks, who are you? Kristoff responds, I am the creator of a television show. Truman responds, then who am I? Christoph, you're the star. Truman asks, was nothing real? And Christoph answers, you were real. Listen to me, Truman. 
There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. The same lies, the same deceit. But in my world, you have nothing to fear. I know you better than you know yourself. And then Truman's great response. You never had a camera in my head? Kristoff, you're afraid. That's why you can't leave. I've been watching you your whole life. You can't leave, Truman. You belong here with me. Of course, Truman, after weighing his options, leaves everything behind him that is false and now walks through that door. And in doing so, guys, most importantly, finds what he was so earnestly searching for, what he was so earnestly seeking, truth. And of course, in The Truman Show, this truth comes in the form of a person, Sylvia. Well, and, and as you were reading Kristoff's line, you were real. Listen to me, Truman. There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. The same lies, the same deceit, but in my world, you have nothing to fear. I know you better than you know yourself. The only image that was popping into my head when you read that was Eve in the garden with the mm-hmm. serpent. That's exactly what came to my head, Derek. Mm-hmm. You certainly will not die. Mm-hmm. That's I was even yeah. hearing those words. You know, the serpent is saying to Eve, God's just trying to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be like him. So just eat the fruit and be like God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When really anything that Eve could have possibly desired was already in the garden. And it really is striking whether the director of this movie was intending to do this. You had mentioned Truman, True Man. Well, Christoph, Christ off. He really is this antichrist, serpent-like figure, uh, telling him that he can never know the freedom that ultimately he was created for. Guys, the bottom line is this. Eros, as that raw material for the more authentic love to develop, is essentially a gift that has been given to us that we might not only seek the truth in other, but ultimately how that truth draws us into the very life of God. Amen. Any closing thoughts, guys? Just seek truth in our relationships. That's what's resounding for me. Seek truth. And, I mean, really, you know, if, if God is both truth and love, then to seek truth is to seek the love of the Father, to seek God's love for you. And for each and every one of us, that is different. Um, For each and every one of us, that's our own journey. But that's the journey where we will experience Eros and then more agape. Mm. Um, And it's important for us to always, as difficult as it may be, and obviously we have no idea what some of our listeners may or may not be going through right now, but that, that God loves each and every one of us and that he is with us for every step of that journey. And we're made for the other. And I love Sylvia's last line. She's just watching Truman, and she says, please, God, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Someone out there is, is saying that to you as well in their own way. Amen, Chris. That's really a fine point to close on, that overarching truth that for those out there who are unmarried, if in your eros you are seeking truth, you are seeking the purity of Christ, and that is invaluable, invaluable to your future sacrament of either marriage or or maybe to a religious vocation. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen, and God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.